Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. You can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Now entering Nerdist.com. Nerdist Podcast. I'm Chris Hardwick. I'm here with Matt Myra and Jonah Ray. Hello. And uh, theme song was by Anamanaguchi. I keep forgetting to credit them. They're great. You just did. Now I have. Anamanaguchi. They're amazing. Don't confuse it with uh, Anamanapia. That's exactly. I asked them how to pronounce their name and they said it's like Anamanapia. Oh, is that what they say? By the way, that other voice you hear talking is Mr. Drew Carey. Drew, how are you? Good. Yay. Yay. Are you going to put in applause? Uh, No. No, no, no. I got it. (laughs) Thank you. Oh, all right. It's, it's like not going to be. It's not going to be like a radio show. Where like, yeah, this is a little crazy crowd here, and then you hear the canned. That was like my regular applause right there. That was it. <laughs> yeah. I was telling you, I really wish we, we should get the uh, the applause from Mike Tyson's punch out uh, the NES game, and then just use that as the crowd noise every time right the hook. test was on. Right hook. Body bow. Body bow. You want to yeah. go totally eight yeah. bit on this show, don't you? What? Know, you, you just totally want to go 8-bit on this show. I just I want our voices to be in 8-bit. I just want people to have to read what we're saying. That's, <laughs> That's fantastic. Jonathan Mangum, this guy I do improv with, uh, entertained me for about 10 minutes, Super Bowl weekend, doing... Uh, he does impressions of 80s video games. Nice. <laughs> that is very specific. Yeah, like any video game noise from the 80s, from those old... Uh, he can do it. Yeah, he can do Nintendo machines. He can do them all. That's any, incredible. Get him on the phone. Yeah. Uh, do you think Michael Winslow was pissed off by that? <laughs> yeah, what did he do? He did Pac-Man. Like, like I can't even do is it. Is it really good or is it like, <laughs> oh, that's... Like, no, it sounds just like that. It sounds machine. just like that. Yeah. That's pretty, there's something for everyone in this world. As we just... You were showing a second life yeah, uh, for computer. a while. And um, the, the reason that I have avoided second life is because I feel like it will become my first life. Like, I will not do anything else. <laughs> that's part of the danger for a lot of people. For some people, it's like, well, this is really dorky, and they never go back, and they see it, and they go, what's the point? And then other people are like, oh, my God, I can create things and make things, and it doesn't take long. You and can fly around. Colorful, and can fly. And so it just seems to me like a, a lot, it's just a more involved Sims, right? Oh, way more, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because you can um, literally make yourself to be anything you want, and you can buy anything you need, and, you know, there's a little bit of gambling. There's a lot of, like... Sex stuff in there. If you want, if you there go are people that way. making a living selling Second Life sex gear. Yeah, they're, I don't know if they're making zillions or anything like that, but they make money. Yeah, they're probably not making zillions. Yeah, they're making like when people make money in Second Life. Most people in Second Life make like you know a hundred bucks a month if they're doing something, you know, or not that much, you know, like something. Right. But you do it you for know? the love. I mean, you're not going to charge when you open up I don't up charge your, anything, no, yeah. when I open up my thing. <laughs> sure I don't want to say what it is. I don't want anybody to think it's me. I don't want anybody to think it's me. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I have, uh, I, I have a lot of islands, and I, I don't even use half of them. That's the thing. That's the problem with being rich, I guess. Just <laughs> buy stuff. <laughs> you just buy an island. Yeah, and then, um, but I, I let some of my friends use them. Are you the Nicolas Cage of Second Life, where you're buying multiple? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> just keep the neighbors away. You're gonna have a Second Life account who's gonna be like, Drew, you're broke. You can't afford this. And you're like, they're, no, they're gonna give me another house. I know it. 
I'm just going to buy another house. You buy 49 fake cars this week. All right. You work it out. I'll just do that. <laughs> <laughs> you, exactly you go to his office, be. and he's just on his little virtual phone. Like, Where's my virtual checks? I need to sign them. Right? <laughs> going out of a virtual natural treasure. You got to kick that virtual drug problem, man. You don't tell me how to virtually <laughs> run my life. There's uh, virtual drugs you can buy in Second Life, actually. What do they do? Wow. In Amsterdam. You go to Amsterdam. Of course. They have a virtual Amsterdam that's very popular and got sold at the time for like, uh, it was like really a lot of money for like $40,000 or oh something. Oh my God. Wow. And uh, there's, you can buy virtual drugs there and uh, like there's one, it's a mushroom and you hold, the mushroom gets put in your right hand. So you have this giant pink mushroom that you're carrying around in your right hand while you're walking. And then it's programmed to randomly, you reach over and you, it's an animation and, and you chew on the mushroom and then randomly you fall down. Oh, wow. <laughs> So, so everyone knows that you have, you're on mushrooms when you yeah, have, you have a mushroom in your hand and then you're, you're like nibbling it and then every once in a while you just go, Poof, like wow. you'll be talking to somebody and just fall down. That's like the feeling wow. of actually being on mushrooms is just the fact that everyone's looking at you knowing you're on mushrooms. So it's kind of a real And you occasionally just fall down. You just occasionally fall down. So it's really, more of a, it's really more of a prank mushroom than it is a drug because yeah. you fall down. It's not down really randomly. a drug drug. It's just for your avatar to make him look like he's on drugs. And then the, <laughs> uh, you mean to make him look cool. <laughs> yeah, make him look cool and older and more mature. It's fun at a party. While you're talking to somebody and you're on the mushroom and you fall down, it's really funny. And a lot of LOLs get typed in. Oh, oh, he oh, has so many And most of them in Korean or Japanese. Yeah, there's uh, one. It was an LSD one. I think it's an LSD. And you, um, uh, I tried it once. It was really funny. They, uh, your whole screen just goes, <laughs> and like is taken over by these, this pattern of color, and you can't see anything. And all you hear is like, <laughs> like that, this weird sound. And it takes place for like 10, 15 seconds. And you don't know where the hell you are or what's happening. Jeez. I feel like I would have the long. same experience in Second Life that I have in real life, which is I would take some sort of virtual drug and then I would have to convince myself that I don't have to focus on keeping my heart beating, which is what, <laughs> no. this is what always happened to me. Like the couple times that I smoked pot in my life, dude. I was like, I get, if, I, if I don't concentrate on my heart, it's going to stop. The same thing would happen in Second all Life. You, all you have to do, dude, is log out. That's what you got to do? <laughs> Damn it. Pull the plug. I don't understand. You just got to log out. And no, log I'm back connected, in, man. man. If my avatar dies, <laughs> I die. If, I, yeah, if like, he goes to sleep, I die. What happened to virtual reality headsets? I really thought they were going to make it by now. I you know, like Lawnmower Man stuff? Yeah, I, exactly. I just watched Lawnmower Man the other night. P.S. doesn't hold up. And uh, <laughs> I think it's going to hold up. doesn't hold up. Toby. And yeah, that never, it did not, uh, we never had the, full, the fully, full immersion. I really thought virtual. it would happen. We would be sleeping with virtual It's because women. of uh, the limitations of Wi-Fi. <laughs> yeah. That's really all it's keeping us well, back. Well, as soon as AT&T if gets could... that 4G network yeah. going. Yeah, the 4G network will help. And if you have like a little, uh, what do they call them, a doggle that you have to like plug in. Oh, yeah. That Booster. goes into like your regular internet. Yeah. Instead of using the Wi-Fi, like, that's so much better. Like for Second Life, you really need that. Yeah, you do. To keep to a, so that everything renders quickly. And yeah, that's the problem. And it's I, processor speed. I think, you know, just because... Like, we could have it. I think it's good. I think <laughs> we could have it. Just need it. Imagine the guys just... in NASA's second life. They must have such a better experience with those supercomputers. They do. They probably don't have any leg at all. And they probably <laughs> never crash. It's quick so, to JPL. So because, because you... IBM has like 20 islands on there. You don't really have to walk around yeah. in second life. You could fly. You could really just be a stump and get around teleport. in second life fine. Yeah. Yeah, there's people that live as like uh, crazy things in Second Life, and I wouldn't imagine if someone if someone was a stump, I wouldn't even be surprised. Like, there's so many. It's like, what could you do in Second Life that would shock people? And the answer is nothing at all. <laughs> like, you could. There's no crazy costume you could wear. There's no crazy appearance you could come up with, or anybody would go. Yeah. Like, oh my God, they would just go, hey, that's pretty cool. And like, where'd you get that? What if you yeah. formed a lasting relationship with a real human? <laughs> that would, that, That'd th- be that shocking. does not compute. <laughs> does not compute. There was an article in the Wall Street Journal a few years ago. You can look it up. Uh, it's probably a pretty easy, easy Google search, like Wall Street Journal, Second Life or something. Probably the only Second Life article I ever had. But <laughs> no, they have a whole section now. There's it was a articles. some guy, and he was in his 50s or late 40s, and he, you know, had a little bit of gray in his beard and stuff. And uh, he was into Second Life, and he had nightclubs, and you know he had like strippers working for him, and uh, dancers, and the staff, and he was building nightclubs, and he, he has a, like a little entrepreneur in Second Life, and he met somebody in Second Life, another avatar, and uh, according to the article, like he said stuff like she really gets me and understands me, oh. and uh, they got married in Second Life, they had a wedding ceremony in Second Life, the two avatars, uh, wedding's actually a big business in Second Life, uh, <laughs> so they had a. A little marriage ceremony, but the problem is he's married in real life. 
Ah, uh, yes. To somebody else. And he That's gets not up, the only problem. Gets <laughs> up in the morning. <laughs> legal trouble. Uh, logs on to Second Life. And he claims to his real wife that his Second Life thing isn't an affair because it's a game. Right. But he tells the reporter, like, yeah, I can talk to her about anything. <laughs> she really understands Stuff I can't me. tell my old lady. Yeah. It's, it's, oh, well, it's an emotional affair. And you know, it's a game uh, where you, do, you keep things from your wife and tell yeah. it to your face. It's a game. It's his, a game. His wife was like, uh, you know, his avatar is like, a, he looks like him when he was 20 years old. It's ridiculous. And the, while the reporter was there, she brought him a sandwich. And he was in the second line. He didn't even notice. And the sandwich got cold. And, oh. I know. Because he was eating a virtual sandwich that his, his fake bride. Yeah, ate. there's people make virtual food. If you have a buy a dining table, you can sit around and pretend to eat the virtual. The upside is that <laughs> the upside is that his virtual wife is probably not a lady, and it's probably no, no. They have pictures of them both. Oh, oh, they do. Have they met in person? No, that's Only probably that. that'd probably no, be, Chris, that'd be weird. That would be weird. That yeah. would be weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of breaking. It's kind of breaking the construct of the relationship. Yeah, yeah you don't want to see him. And what was the uh, something happened recently where there was the lady from I think Detroit and a kid from the South, and they met on uh, World of Warcraft. And uh, yeah, that happens she a was, lot too. She was in her thirties. He was. 16, 15, whatever. And she drove down to Warcraft. go and visit him because they had such a World of Warcraft, it doesn't matter, does it? Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. no, no, but, but she, you know, she broke the rules. She went and saw him oh, no, IRL. That's, that's creepy now. In real life. Now yeah. And then she got arrested. You just went to Creepyville. Yeah. <laughs> she took a bus to Creepyville. So the rule is uh, her orc can fuck his dwarf, <laughs> but, in, but in, uh, in real life, they Not, can't come near each other. No, exactly. Well, ironically, though, they do look like uh, their own characters from the game. Oh, they so, do? Yeah. They're like people who have pets, and they start to look like their pets. Like, you're starting yeah. to look like your avatar. Yeah. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, I don't really look like my avatar. You though. don't. No. Yeah. But my avatar looks really cool, it's though. It's badass. Yeah. What's well, weird? It's uh, it's like old man cool, you know. It's just uh, <laughs> your, your avatar like, is kind of Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah, yeah a little bit. Yeah, it's uh, the guy you would see at Amiibo. Just be like, that guy's nah, he's cool. Because you know he's he's seen, been through some shit. Yeah. I bet he has a great album collection. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's got a great album collection. He's got a really hoarse voice, thanks to a million and a half cigarettes. Yeah, it's a guy you hope used to be a producer for a band. Yep. Yeah, or a tour manager or something like. Yeah, I used to be in the business, you know, and he knew, you know, uh, all the Rolling Stones. Yeah. <laughs> he used to be their, their tour manager or something yeah. like that. I was, uh, yeah, I used to, I used to go on the road with Winger and then like yeah. just something happened and then he <laughs> just like gave up the music biz, <laughs> but he just hangs out at Amoeba. Yeah. What would happen with him and Winger? Well, they, you know, Winger, Winger, actually the truth is Winger tr- tried to like break free and do different kind of music. As Kip? As Kip Winger. And I think it didn't, uh, didn't play out as wow. well. What was he going to call the band? It was already called Winger. Kip. 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 Yes, yeah, so I was going to ask. Coffee House Kip. Yeah. Totally different style. Coffee House Kip. It's going to be Kip. <laughs> She's only 17. <laughs> He's just going to do all of his songs with Coffee House style and bring it She's into the 90s. my Jerry Pie. <laughs> yep, Coffee House Warren. Lounge version. My. All your favorites. And while I'm singing about cherry pie, make sure and have some cherry pie over at the counter. It's made fresh every day. He would do it like the guitar t- caps. I yeah. Imagine, yeah. Like, tap yeah. On, oh, the, yeah. on the, on the back of the, on the, back of the thing, cherry pie. A little percussion. Form. His hair is pulled back. It's a much, he's a much different winger. You like to rock, but don't like standing up at shows anymore. Yeah. Kip Winger. <laughs> if you came here to get mellow, have a seat. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> this show's going to kick your ass with hugs. <laughs> I want to go. I saw a winger, uh, no, it was Warrant or Winger. It was a really good rock and roll show I saw in Vegas. My friend Jeff Davis and I drove from. Oh, I love Jeff Davis. Yeah, yeah and one day we drove from, uh, we were in Vancouver and we flew to Seattle and then drove to Vegas all in a day. Oh, my God. To see uh, Poison, I think it was Winger, and uh, Cinderella. Oh, wow. Man. And wow. Winger started. What was Winger and Warrant? It's got to be Winger. Probably Warrant, I think. Winger is just one guy, really. Yeah, but it was a band, and they weren't any rock. They were just wearing like jeans and you know shirts. You know, they weren't like no, dressed up. They decided to keep it real. I guess or just in. They were the opening act, and then Poison came on, and we're like Poison. Yeah, it was yeah. it was fantastic and hilarious and everything all at the same time, and then Cinderella came on, and. Uh, 
just knocked our. I couldn't believe how great they were. Wow! Like there was no joke with Cinderella. Yeah, dude, a lot of those guys, a lot of those bands were like pretty good bands. Well, Cinderella's they were, they great. Were showmen. They, they, it was like yeah. a, it was all about big rock and roll shows and being energetic. But, no, but I these, gotta assume was Jeff the only guy in a suit in the entire show? He wasn't wearing a suit. Oh, uh, what? He wasn't in a suit phase at the time. Oh, okay. That's like a yeah. phase he's going through. He'll, he'll change it. Uh, <laughs> But he, it was like the Cinderella were so good. We were like, oh my God, like, a, like a, just a great rock and roll band and like really caring about the music and just making a connection with the audience, like all that stuff. And we were just like, I've been big fans of them ever since. And then they've yeah. had like another 20 years on top of the 80s to just get better. Yeah. Well, all these musicians. guys are better musicians than they were. Like if you see any band now from when they were, you know, that's like at least classic rock bands or whatever. Yeah. And you go see them, they're way better musicians than they were when they were. Well, they're also, yeah, they're, they're not is. on heroin. Yeah, and they're <laughs> home the with their families. Yeah. Practices. And that's why they're better musicians, but boring people. <laughs> <laughs> you know, their new songs aren't as good. The heroin songs were a lot they're better, awesome. but technically, yeah. they're mechanically they're better awesome musicians. They're awesome to watch, shitty yeah. to hang out with. <laughs> I noticed that every like uh, rock and roll band that, that, uh, that is still around tries to write a new record, once, once they get in their 50s and whatever, if they were popular in the 20s, like when they get in their 50s, all the songs are about how much the world is screwed up and how we got to, <laughs> you know. So that's like the, uh, Maybe because they didn't do anything about it when they could have. They were just partying yeah. all night. Like even when like Tom Petty wrote uh, like Jamming Me. Yeah. Like that was his version of that. Even well, though it was a good song. But it's like, you know, take back all your, like this, just like an old man getting bugged by stuff. Yeah. Well, and it's, all, it's, yeah. all, no, it's like, well, he has a, like, what was that? Uh, the last DJ. It's just about a like, DJ's not playing songs he likes anymore on the radio. <laughs> it's, it's just a, yeah. an old man complaining about DJ's playing. I know it was or, about you know, the politics of radio, but still. Or if you're Bob Seger, like, every fucking song is about how it was only awesome when you were a teenager. <laughs> By the way, he was a rock star when he was older. So why, would his, why was his life shitty when he was older? And, like, every song is like. Everything turned to shit when I was 31. And it's all about how he was a teenager. Just, just stuff he's that's how to I see the world, man. Is that, is that what it is? Yeah, you got to grow up in Detroit or Cleveland to get that stuff, man. <laughs> <laughs> Everything does turn to shit when you're 30. But it's my turn to really shit. realize I'm not getting out of this but town. But you, uh, you can flush it down in your awesome robot toilets that are, are at the, we're at Drew's house, and Drew has robot toilets, and they're freaking t- awesome. From Toto. Freaking awesome! <laughs> yeah, they're. Uh, I have these Japanese toilets that uh, when you step in front of them, the lid raises automatically, and there's a remote that you can use to flush. It flushes automatically anyway, but it has. Uh, if you knows, were to, it knows. If you need a two flush, you can make it happen. Yeah, you can make it happen. You just use the remote, hit the flush button again, and then yeah. um, initiate second flush. That's what you have to say. <laughs> this is what I said. Yeah, I, I could have just been talking to myself. My, uh, yeah, remember I never knew what double flusher meant. That insult from when I was a. Like, in the oh. 50s like he's a double flusher you four that. flusher Remember that, that you have to an... flush that many times yeah you're such yeah. a big piece of shit that's how many times you have to be flushed but I would hear like a toilet that I thought he's a he's a double flusher or a four flusher and I, I never knew what it meant until like way later in my life like 10 years ago I was like, like oh man I finally or... get it that makes sense because nobody yeah. uses that anymore no I only I had I, I only uh, was able to uh, go number one in your robot toilet but it does shoot water at you if you sit down on it, so I'm, I'm almost yeah. There's to a wait cl- until I have to go to the bathroom. A cleansing wand for uh, front and rear. Yep. And then a drying cleansing or pleasure. Uh, cleansing, I believe. I wonder how and hard it I, was to make that uh, the, the you know the breakdown for that. Just all the terms they had to cleansing you, wand I've for the front the, and uh, the rear. I've seen the promo video for that toilet. Oh really? Yeah, on the found foot in the found footage festival. Man, everybody has the weird porn, huh? <laughs> <laughs> That's a pretty hot toilet. Everybody has I their own weird porn. off to it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> what was that, uh, the old SNL sketch with Kevin Nealon? It was the, the lover's toilet, and it was like a double oh, toilet. Oh, side by side. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Press the yeah. button to make it flush at the same time together. Yeah, that's... it's almost that creepy. But it, it has a drying thing, too, that'll dry you off. Oh, that's fantastic. So and you, you don't even adjust... ever need to use paper. That's the theory. You should. Though. But sometimes you really should. Just, yeah. Depending on your diet. And you, it, you can't just you can't just whip the cleansing wand out and just start grinding it uh, to clear off the area. No, point. no, no. It's not. You have All to, right, so it's an imperfect toilet. You can, <laughs> you can use the remote to adjust it like forward and back, and then you adjust the pressure and stuff so you can hit just the right spot. And this is I was I saying. Know. I was saying. I don't know. I don't know about that. So it doesn't use it doesn't use some type of light grid to. Uh, to some type of laser grid to measure the dilation of your no. sphincter so you can it's it doesn't dilated. Do we're not to go. the singularity yet we're not no. there yet we're, not, it, we're almost there we're almost does there it make, does it comfort you does it go oh someone not good poopies yes <laughs> wouldn't that be awesome <laughs> that really would be oh you should see your doctor 
<laughs> it just like the second it hits the water, you yeah. just hear, that's not good. Yeah. Oh, oh, no. Yeah. And it automatically calls your doctor yeah. and sends him <laughs> boop, boop, the chemical boop. composition of your waist. Yeah. Having Mexican again, huh? <laughs> That oh, would fuck. be that would be the future. That would be the future. When we when our toilets will send our doctor um, to right to their right to their mobile devices. And I can that'll be like living on the island. Reality helmet on on the toilet. Yes. Uh, I can't tell you how uncomfortable I am right now at this. No, point. let's keep talking. I don't think this Is one's cool? going number one. Do you guys mind if we take our shirts off? <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> I don't go do whatever you need. Man. It's just something we do. It's it radio. Yeah, whatever. Better. Whatever. whatever. And a radio broadcast. Anything we say, we're doing. We're doing. That's right. Yeah. You know, we're now shirtless and just kind of checking each other out. Welcome to the theater of the mind. Theater of the mind. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, we were we're all, by the way, we're huge fans of the Drew Carey show. Thank yes. you. Huge fans. Yeah. I mean, like you broke so many kind of rules. Uh, well, yeah, but, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like you know, you 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 broke a lot of you broke a lot of of sitcom um, uh, rules. That's exactly you know. I mean, just like with the improv versions of the shows, and yeah, then, like, how about choices? Three, how about live and three time zones doing awesome. improv, man? Yeah, that's insane. Four years in a row. Did it did it just get to a point where? You like were they asking you to do different stuff or were you just pushing and pushing? No, and pushing? we just did because uh, it was a lot of it was Bruce Hufford's idea. You know, he's the guy that was the driving force. You know, to get selling the show and created with me and stuff. But he was like the main main guy, and um, like he had a, we did a what's wrong with this episode specials because oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. he was a big comic book fan. He remembers like comic books doing that where you right. have April's Fools if you should yeah. comment things wrong you have a contest and you have to send in like where in one in one panel you have to find like oh there's no dog in this picture but there's a dog in this picture yeah or just like, like the yeah. whole issue yeah. you know or just things that like you would know from before would be wrong yeah like Superman yeah. would be confronted with crypto schlep and you know, <laughs> it's not there's that. no crypto schlep or crypto day no it's yeah. crypto night oh uh, <laughs> yes have to like write that down I don't even I don't even know what the clues in the comic books were because that was Bruce Alfred's thing but he um he said yeah we should do that so we would do it and then the uh, on the repeat, we would show uh, with little bubbles that would go boop, boop. Oh, yeah, I remember the pop up. And yeah. they would come up and uh, tell you all the mistakes. And we oh. would have like uh, hundreds of them, and people would be really good at finding them. Yeah. It was also a 3D episode, right? Yes. Yeah, we had a 3D episode. We had the 3D episode was a network ordered one. Yeah. <laughs> they were going to have, it was 3D night that they were going to have on. Oh, ABC. yeah, it was all there. Yeah, and all the shows were going to be in 3D, and so that was their. We had to do a 3D episode. That was kind of forced. Weirdly, to... I just remember yours. I don't remember any other shows. On the yeah, TV. and then we did a uh, the second dance number we did where we went to New York and Donald Trump was in the episode and stuff. Uh, that was because the network wanted us to do another dance number because the first one was such a big hit. Mm-hmm. They said, you have to do another one. And we were like, well, I don't know. I can't think of anything. We'll just... Get him to New York, I guess. I mean, like we just had this crazy, stupid idea for it's funny, a show. It's funny how networks don't ever, they, they don't ever really take the creative process into account. They're like, just do this. Yeah. Really? Because I don't know. Number's we... good on first one. Do again. Exactly the same. Yeah, they do that all. They, but they do. I mean, they were, I mean, if we would have said there's absolutely no way, they would have caved, they would have caved in. Yeah. yeah. You know, they're going to put a gun to your head. But they, when they, they're paying the bills and stuff, it kind of like make them happy. Like anytime they ordered, uh, extra episodes we would just do them mm-hmm. like we never said like wow no we're burnt out <laughs> they would say hey can we get three more episodes or four more episodes we go and we'd multiply our pay by four and we go yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely I mean that was really one of the Money. last I mean yes it was really one of the last um, great shows of the stand-ups getting sitcoms yeah thing. I was on the last I was the last of a lot of things I was yeah. the last stand-up to get uh, called over to the couch uh, Johnny Carson's couch oh wow that was one of the last stand-ups to, to have a big huge hit with a show. Like there, there was like a wave of, and I was on the, and I wasn't the last one on the sitcoms, of course, but uh, I was on the last and the end of the trend. You Isn't know? that amazing that you know? Because uh, do you know Jordan Brady? Yeah, I know. Jordan just made this documentary called "I Am Comic," and it's really great. And it just sort of, it's just all these comics together, and it just sort of intercuts with you know what their processes are and what is stand-up and what is, you know, just kind of breaking down comedy right. for people. And it's really funny. And there's this overarching story of Rich Scheidner who's, like, like planning on making a comeback in the thing. And it's really, it's really, okay. it's really great. But a lot of people, like, um, like Foxworthy, you know, he was talking about, and he almost got a little emotional talking about when Johnny, like, waved him over. And it's so, it's so funny to me that just the way media is now and the way it's consumed now, that doing a television show 
like like doing the Tonight Show just doesn't really mean what it meant at that time, where it literally would change your life. Yeah. Oh, do you have There's that? A picture. Uh, Holy shit! Awesome. Uh, Drew just brought over the picture of. Can I take a photo of this and then sure. put it on the sure. put it on the blog? You want me to hold it for you so you don't? Yeah, maybe maybe you do that <laughs> so I don't do everything. What if we got meta and put uh, Drew in it? <laughs> well, now you're gonna see my reflection taking the iPhone picture. Oh, there, that's better. I just watched that uh, last week on the DVD set. That's awesome. Carson set. Yeah, if you notice, that's like the only celebrity picture I have in my whole office. That is amazing. I mean, that show really was... That's the one to have. That, re- yeah. that show really made people's careers, and there is not... There's nothing like that anymore. No. Like, there's no... No. no... Was there a difference that you felt after the show? Oh, my God, yeah. It was like... This is going to sound weird. I've, ta- I've said this before in other interviews, but when I was in... Um, oh, not a lot. So, when I was a, in junior high, like 12 or 13, I went to a... I had a friend who uh, went to a Pentecostal church and he invited me to his youth group thing. And then I got saved at the Pentecostal church. Mm-hmm. And it was a very emotional experience. And it, it's a real thing that you can feel like going through your body and uh, talked in tongues and everything. And it's a, it's, a, it's a real powerful emotional moment. And the only thing I can compare it to is when I did The Tonight Show and Johnny called me over. Wow. Uh, it felt like that. Like I could feel like my whole body change and every, like every molecule was like, okay, it's different now. And I was like floating the whole time I was like I was dreaming it and I dreamed it the night before too the, exactly what would happen couldn't get the vision out of my head over and over again where I couldn't sleep right. I was in Chicago working even though I lived in LA and I was in Chicago working and I had to get up even to get dressed and walk around the hotel to try to get to sleep but I was imagining myself through my own eyes walking out on stage wow. doing my set word for word to time and then Johnny calling me over and me making a joke to Ed McMahon, which is exactly what happened. That's insane. Yeah, because I'd been on the stage before. Uh, Kevin Pollack suggested that I go to the stage. I was talking to him once, and I said, "Get any any advice?" And he said, "Yeah, go there and visit the set before you're doing your before you're scheduled to go, or before they call you, because they call you sometimes that day." And uh, so he suggested I go to the set. So I went to the set, and I went out. And um, the day I visited the set, Larry Miller was doing a set. And Jerry Seinfeld's backstage. I was just visiting. And I said, I, I met Jerry Seinfeld, and I go, it's pretty crazy, huh? And he goes, yeah, this is what it's all about. <laughs> <laughs> so, was he just relatively nonplussed by the whole thing? No, thing? he was there for, you know, oh, he was with too. Larry Miller just to hang out with him. Larry Miller was doing a set, and Jerry was Oh, just, Jerry wasn't uh, performing. He was just visiting. No, he was just hanging out because Larry Miller was doing a set. He was just, you know, coming there with his friend and watching his friend do a set. And he goes, yep, yeah, this is what it's all about, doing spots on The Tonight Show. What's going through your mind at the... Because I know that... And um, I got to walk out... I'm sorry. I got to walk out and see the stage when it was empty. So I knew exactly what the, 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 the presence was mm-hmm. like. You know, so me imagining it in my head was just like that. And it was weird. So, the, so yeah. Kevin's advice was great. It was good for you to see. Really the, good advice. Yeah. What, what's going through your... Because... I just—I mean, not, not that I'm saying that it's—you know—it was the same thing as doing <laughs> Carson, but I just did the John Oliver show for Comedy Central, and it was so much fun. But I was—I had—I had done so many. I'd been doing shows like every weekend for a mm-hmm. few months, yeah. and so for me, it just felt very reflexive to go out there. Were you kind of in that mode of, you know, like kind of on autopilot, or were you? Were you? Did you? Were you aware at all of what was going on and freaked out? And what was the experience like? Um, I. Um... No, I had my special. I had my notes framed. I don't have them. Um, they're in storage right now, but I have them uh, framed in a frame. Uh, my notes from that night, and I had every, wow. every I, I had every single joke timed out. Oh wow! Because they said it was going to be seven minutes, but they could cut it to six. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, you know, I had to, I had to be able to like drop individual lines from the thing. You know? Oh yeah. And I had to be ready. So everything was... T- I mean, I recorded my act and I knew just what I was putting in my Tonight Show set. And I... When I got the word in Chicago, in Chicago that I was doing the show, like on Wednesday, like that night, and I think that night and Thursday night, I did my Tonight Show set in front of my act. Mm-hmm. And then just kind of like fumfered through the rest because that was like my best stuff. <laughs> <laughs> your, your closer at the top of the set. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so... Uh, so I had all that on a piece of paper and, um, you know, I had that vision the night before and I couldn't get out of my head and I slept only on the plane on the way to LA and I came to LA and I got a haircut and I was mad cause the haircut was too short. I went to like a super cuts oh. <laughs> and got my haircut cause all I needed was a buzz cut and they cut it like, I was like, that's so short. Like they could cut it way too short. 
And then I went to the NBC. It was really, I mean, I kept on looking at this piece of paper, just like going over the thing in my head. And I thought I was third for some reason. I thought I was going on last. Penelope Ann Miller was on uh-huh. after me. And George Segal, George Siegel was on. Sorry, George Siegel was on right before me. So I thought I was on after Penelope Ann Miller. And then uh, they came to get me, and I go, uh, he goes, well, you ready? And I went, uh, what are you talking about? He said, uh, he goes, well, you're on next. And I went, well, I guess I don't need this. I had my notebook. The page was still in the notebook. Mm-hmm. I hadn't perforated it off yet. And I just went, well, I don't need this, I guess. And I just tossed it. And I didn't even get a chance to look at it before I went out. Oh, oh man. Shit. And I stood there, and then they opened the curtain. And that from that moment on, it was like a dream state, I'm telling you. I went out and I did everything just exactly how I was supposed to, and it looked exactly like it did in my vision. And I remember seeing, uh, like, just seeing Ed Mc- like Johnny Carson was hanging on to the desk, trying not to fall over. That's insane. <laughs> he was laughing so hard he had to grab the desk because he was going to fall over in now, his chair. I'm jealous. And he's pounding. I'm the jealous desk. because there. I feel like for comics now, there's no, no. there's no parallel experience. There's there no, nothing. there's no analogous experience that we have that's going to ever be like that it again. Was, yeah. It was so crazy. And then he, you know, was going, going like this, and I went like me, and he went, yeah, come on over. Yeah. And I remember Doc Severinsen laughing, like the guys in the band laughing. Uh, wow, awesome. And it was like it was like being saved in a church. And then um, I went to the improv. The cool thing is, I went to the improv that night, and uh, that was like that's like the tradition was to go to the improv and watch yourself on TV. So they shut the music off and they put the TV on. When I did my Tonight Show set, and I remember the whole place like bursting into applause. And oh my god, it's huge. It was packed, yeah. And uh, Bud Freeman like sent over a bottle of champagne. Oh wow. And then that was a Friday. So then over the weekend it was like my agent just got called my manager rather just got call after call. And him an agent. And then um, Monday through Friday I flew back Sunday. And then Monday night through Friday night I did sets at the improv, showcase sets for agents. They were wow. looking to sign me. And what I'm telling you, like the head of the agency would show up. Like, they wouldn't send an agent over. You know, like, uh, Marty Klein from APA mm-hmm. came over. That's who I eventually signed with. Oh. He was the head of the agency. Like, he came over to see me and met with me. 23 William Morris agents showed up. Jesus. <laughs> they had the head. I feel bad even telling the story wow. now because I'm not with William Morris. But they had, <laughs> this is, like, crazy for a new guy. They had the head of their literary department, the head of their commercials, the head of their TV, the head of, you know, movies. Like, all these agents, 23 of them came to see me do a set. And then they sat upstairs with me at the improv for 45 minutes. What can we do with you? This guy will do that. This guy will do that. You know? And Bud Freeman, I remember that night, gave me another bottle of champagne because he couldn't believe it because he said he never saw anything like that in his life. Wow. That's incredible. Well, I remember one time, uh, this was probably like nine, let's say nine years ago, when you used to do those Thursday night improv shows at the Hollywood Improv. They were phenomenal because it was th- those were the best shows of the week that you could get on. So Drew, they would do the Improv All Stars at the Hollywood. It was Improv. the ca- it was the cast. Of, started out with the cast of the Drew Carey show. It was oh, it was just the cast yeah. of the Drew Carey show. Yeah, that was my big fuck you to every other sitcom on TV. <laughs> that's what I in my head. That's how I thought at the time because I thought like you know because we were never one, number one in the ratings or anything like that. The mm-hmm. Drew Carey show, like we'd win our time slot and stuff. That was about it. And then. Um, uh, and we had like, you know, really broad humor on our show. So it wasn't, you know, uh, it wasn't as received as well as like other shows. But I was thinking to myself, like, well, I'd like to see these other fucking shows get up on the improv with their cast and no writers and make up a show. Yeah. yeah. You know, so yeah, it would be me and Kathy and Ryan and Dietrich who used to do improv and theater and, and, and uh, uh, Craig Ferguson would show up. Those were know. always the best shows. and They would always have a couple stand-ups go on before you. Yeah. And those were the sweetest spots Rockin'. because the the, room, crowd. the rooms were packed and people were jazzed. And uh, I did a I did a set before your improv one one night, and then and I had a really good set. And afterwards, you came up and you were like, "Hey, man, that was really funny." And I did not <laughs> sleep that night because really? I was like, "Oh my god, Drew Carey <laughs> really? just said I was really funny." I wow, mean, wait. to be fair, it was a really good set, <laughs> but <laughs> but it was really like it still just blew me away. Like I, it was it was one of those moments where I'm like. Wow, I can't believe this is my life right now in 2001. That I, you know, I get to, that I do know that I do stand up, and then a stand up that I know and respect would come over and be really nice to me after. Like it was really, it was a really great experience. For I always me. tell people if they're if I think they're funny, but it's nice, and they could, and I'm just telling you, young comics really appreciate it because it's those, you know, because like it's stand up can be sometimes only as rewarding as 
I'm getting up and doing it and yeah. it's part of a process. And so, you know, it, those little milestones every once in a while kind of help kind of like kick you to the next yeah, yeah. step because you, you sort of feel validated. Yeah, I think doing it now too, especially after, you know, Carson's off the air and there, that was like the signifying moment to say that you were officially a really, you know, a yeah. stand-up comedian. And I remember when I started up, I always thought, well, it doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel like I'm actually a stand-up comedian. Well, maybe when I get on a good show I like, like a an actual booked show, that'll, I'll say I feel like Yeah, you can tell your parents, look, I'm yeah. doing this. Yeah, it's, yeah. Not it's a, a thing. It's an yeah. actual. It's an actual thing. A yeah. living, I'm making. But it just it never uh, even uh, even after I did it uh, on Comedy Central. Even after that night, I just uh, it just still doesn't feel. And uh, there's no real signifying moment these days. I think that we're tonight just, show is it, man. Yeah, yeah I, think I mean, so. like careers today are made. I think by the sum total of just an enormous amount of appearances. Like you, it feels like you constantly have to punch people in the face well, in the face to convince them that you're there. It's all jabbing now. It is all yeah, jabbing as opposed to that. There, there's not that one thing that Johnny tips Mark, it anymore. Johnny Carson was the haymaker, man, and if you could get called over to the couch, that was it. That like was my, I, honestly, I was in show business the next day. And my whole career like started that Monday. After I did the, but you had show. done a, when, you you had done a, like the the rounds of like the Carolines and evening at the improv stuff. Yeah, I did evening yeah. at the improv like everybody did though. Like it was, yeah. it got to the point where if you weren't on evening at the improv, what, what the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> like, honestly, if you, met some, if you met a guy who couldn't get on evening at the improv and you were working with him, you're like, oh my God, this guy must suck. They didn't even get on evening at the improv. <laughs> yeah. Like they, they just run out of con. Like they were having guys around like three times on evening at the improv and stuff. He just, it's one of those things where you just, that was the credit that everybody had. And now you could, now you could do comedy the, on the road. You could do the Tonight Show like thirty times, <laughs> and it, it it would probably barely affect your career. Uh, comedy Tonight. There are yeah. tons of comics that do like Jay, uh, Jay Leno's Tonight Show constantly, and uh, no one really knows about him. There was a guy at the time. I won't say his name. He works at the Tonight Show now. And uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, he, um, I was with uh, I was with him at the Improv like the week after I did the tonight show and uh people were coming up to me going hey how's it feel to be flavor of the week and uh, stuff like that <laughs> other like, comics it's like yeah and i was like feels great you know, they were like, <laughs> it's really good yeah they just wanted to know like what's it like because it was like honestly like a big blow up and um it was really surreal and uh uh jack cohen's his name do you know jack he works at tonight show and there was another comic sitting with us and jack did a set you know and uh we were talking and he goes the Jack Cohen and I had the same manager, which this guy didn't know. And uh, he goes to Jack, he goes, how many times have you done The Tonight Show? And Jack said, like, I don't know, 15, 16 times. He'd done, like, tons of times. And he goes, he looks at me and he goes, and this motherfucker <laughs> does it one time. He's done 15 times nothing. This motherfucker does it one time. He gets the whole world laid at his feet. Uh... And he looks at Jack, he goes, you know what your problem is? It's your management. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, I wonder if, uh, if if your manager both got, got two very different calls from clients the next yeah. day. No, I mean Jack just started, looked at each other, started laughing. So we well, it was it was funny to me to read in uh, in Steve Martin's book uh, Born Standing Up. He says he he did the Tonight Show a shitload of times before it finally. I used popped to only watch I used to only watch the Tonight Show when he was on, or uh, and I used to get him mixed up with um, oh shit, who was it? But uh, Martin Mall. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And I, used to, I'd see Martin. I go, oh, I gotta watch the Night Show because I would only watch the Night Show if there was a comic on I liked, mm-hmm. or if it said new comic so and so. But if there was a comic on, I watched the Night Show, and if not, I wouldn't watch the Night Show. I only watched the Night Show when there was comics on. It seemed like all the time I would look in the TV guide and go, oh, I have to stay up tonight. Wow. And if Steve Martin was on, I always would go like, oh, I love that guy, and I would stay up and watch him. There's, de- there's definitely the common thread, like a lot of comics. I mean, I, I always, I always, I was the same way. I would always seek out. I watched every comedy special. I would only watch comics on. Yeah, but shows. now you can find everything you want in like an hour instantly. Yeah, and you can get you can get a collection of, and then, and then you're set. But when I was watching it, I mean, that was it. You, if you didn't catch him that moment, you never saw him. Yeah. I, said, yeah. I had that conversation with one recently. I was talking about the Doctor Demento show when I was Loved growing it. up. I love Dr. Demento. It came on Sunday nights in Memphis yep. where I lived. Sunday nights in Cleveland too. Appointment radio. If you missed Absolutely. Dr. Demento that week, it yeah. was gone. Nothing. You didn't get it back. Nothing to talk about at school the next you day. You couldn't either. call anyone and be like, hey, did you get, can I, can you just send me Dr. Demento? Like no one had it. it. No one had it. Uh, I grew up in Hawaii, and uh, they didn't they didn't play it. They played it once on my favorite radio station, uh, just to try it out. No one apparently listened to it. People complained, uh, uh, so they never people sh- complained. People 
will complain. What? Hawaii's a dumb place. <laughs> Hi, I'm a bored Hawaiian, yeah. and I want to complain about this right. form of entertainment. It's not, it's it's not comedy about you know making fun of different nationalities. No one in Hawaii wants to hear it. Hello, <laughs> boys and girls. Yeah, so the I, smogberry trees. The first stuff I really got to hear a documentary <laughs> was pig bearing <laughs> sand diggers. I said sand diggers, by the way. Doctor, doctor, doctor Demon. I used to get all jazzed up hearing that opening theme song and stuff that's great and to listen to it now i mean once uh once the internet that's when i got to kind of go back and listen to everything and uh i got you know he put out that 20th anniversary mm-hmm. collection yeah. and that's that was when i got to but that was just a compilation of songs barnes and barnes used to tape those barnes and barnes fish heads billy movie it's so funny how when i feel like when you have the when you have the kind of comic Gene, which I still haven't figured out if it's a gene defect or if it's an enhancement. I'd say a defect. defect. It might be a defect. Yeah. The, 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 the I need think it's to, environmental. The, the need to make people that you don't know um, like you is, is a fun thing. Were you thing. youngest in your family or something? I was the only. I was an only child. That'll do it. But it was the the, totally. But that's but like when those little beacons like Doctor Demento, you just kind of feel your radar go up. Yeah. Like, oh, that's a thing that I need, and yeah. then you just you know. Anything yeah. weird like that, I loved it, man. I never like all my shows that I liked when I was a kid. Always got canceled. <laughs> like one of my favorite shows when I was a kid was a summer replacement show. They used to do that in the like shows that had a short run that they didn't use for the regular season. They would show in the summer, and they called them summer replacement mm-hmm. shows. And they would put them on for like six weeks, you know, ten weeks. That was mm-hmm. it. And one was called the Ken Berry Wow Show. Oh, Ken Berry! Yeah, he had a show called the Wow Show. It was a variety show with comic sketches and stuff. And me and my friend would talk about it constantly at school. He did a thing. Uh, he would give out an award at the end of the show for like, I don't know, some stupid reason, but he would try to give the award to the guy and the guy would run away and he would chase him. <laughs> so they have this like Benny Hill like da 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 at the end of the show. And guess what time it is? It's award time and the guys would come out in tuxedos with their arms or hands on each other's elbows and they would go, award time, <laughs> excitement and fun. And it, me and my friend did that award time bit all the way through our lives. <laughs> like never stop saying award time when we would sitting around drinking looking for a laugh you know you just say one thing from your past everywhere. yeah same thing same thing with like police squad you know every show i like amazing. i canceled or wasn't popular yeah. yeah remember before when uh, you saw a really neat show or a neat comedy thing on tv and then you would have to describe it or act it out to your friends the next day to tell them about it and nowadays you're just like it's kind of there's this guy i'll just send you the link yeah i'll just send you the link, send you link. You can oh, just yeah. see it with your eyes and brain. Yeah, exactly. I, don't know I won't do it justice. It to you yeah. There's a show where there's a spaceman and he travels in time yeah, and then there's a, me. meets a caveman <laughs> and the caveman travels with him. His name is Ook. <laughs> that was a show. That's, what is that? Uh, it's about time. Oh, it's about time. You know, I know it's about time from when my TV theme song CD it's about that time. I had when I it's was in college. It's about space. It's about yep. time for the human like, what race. What is that show? It's about time. <laughs> it's about the... So the summer replacement shows were almost just kind of like uh, British TV, which is six episodes and they were done. Well, it was just like shows that didn't make it and they were going to get canceled and they yeah. had to show them, you know, so yeah. they just put them yeah. on in the summer. But Not Washington. anymore. Everything just rots away in some kind of failure vault underneath Hollywood. Yeah, like now they have like 24-hour, like they they program like all year round too. There's really no, yeah. there's like repeats in the summer, but they really do try to have fresh stuff in the summer, some of the cable channels. And yeah, stuff. the cable channels, that's the weird thing. The summer is now time for TV for a lot of shows. That's why I pitched, uh, yeah, that's how I pitched uh, Who's Line at first. Because I was like, you got to have a show, because they were doing nothing in the summer. And I said, you should really have stuff on special in the summer instead of just showing repeats and suffering through this. It's ridiculous to let the Nielsen company control you. I couldn't understand. I never still do understand why the Nielsen Company controls these. No, people. I think it's fair that a thousand families represent uh, <laughs> yeah. all, the, the, all of California. Yeah, the, the, everyone in the country. It's great. I mean, uh, yeah. Plus, the company says we're going to start this, you know, May first. So that's when all this May sweep stuff comes mm-hmm. out. Why can't they just take samples all through the year? And I got to know. There's so many better ways to do it. And I, I the networks are starting to to uh, come up with their own ways to go against it. And I don't blame them. It's like the stupidest. Thing. Sorry. Well, the thing that sucks yeah. is no, but the thing that sucks about it is that if you're this is gonna screw me somehow. I just know. Nah. <laughs> you're not gonna get that Nielsen I be, job. I, I should be talking like this. And Only have fifty a show year old on nerds listen to the show. <laughs> we're gonna Price finish this right, podcast. You're gonna hear a message. Beep. Drew, it's Ted Nielsen. Listen, uh, we want to give you a hundred million dollars to run the company. So uh, give yeah. us a call back if you haven't been on any podcasts lately. Yeah. It'll basically be the opposite of what happened at Carson. It'll just yeah. be the end of it. Yeah, <laughs> I've talked to fans. I talked to somebody that was working on a show. Uh, where they were at a meeting at the network, and uh, the guy corrected the guy at the network, and he 
the guy at the network got the, a, a name, an actor's name mixed up, and he said, it's so-and-so, you fucking idiot. <laughs> like, he couldn't stand how stupid the guy was. And he finally said, so-and-so, you fucking idiot. It was How'd like, he go? just had it. And then they said when they got back to the, uh, got back to the production offices, you've been in production offices, right? Yeah. The phones ringing, yeah. Yeah. people, silence. <laughs> <laughs> no phone ringing. <laughs> Nobody hustling back and forth. The, sh- <laughs> the shot heard around the world. <laughs> but I mean, to be fair, that's a very satisfying moment for us to hear about. Yeah. Yeah. Probably not so great for that guy. Yeah, you could have just been polite and said, oh, you're mixing it up. But don't worry or about it. Or you just let it go. And you're like, yeah. yes, it is Carl Eastwood, famous yeah. actor. Famous <laughs> actor. <laughs> just agree with him. Just agree with him. Uh, yeah, there's a... Oh, I'll tell you the joke. There's a joke where you can put in anything like that. Like two producers meet. Mm-hmm. And uh, who's the guy? The joke I heard, I really apologize to the guy too, by the way, if he's listening. I don't want to hurt his feelings. But um, who's the guy that was in uh, Three Men and a Baby? Tom uh, Selleck? No, Paul the other Reiser? guy. Steve Gutenberg. Gutenberg, yeah. yeah. So there's... Uh, Paul Reiser. I, I'm, I'm confused he wasn't a Three Men and a Baby. my two dads. No, I, yeah. get the, I get multiple fathers confused. So the joke <laughs> is two reasonable. producers are talking and one producer says, uh, so what are you up to? And the other producer says, oh, yeah, the greatest, best movie coming out. Uh, it's going to be great. Who's directing it? Eastwood. Clint Eastwood? No, Carl Eastwood. It's his brother-in-law. <laughs> He's really good. You know, they talk at dinner all the time. Uh, who wrote it? Uh, Esterhaus. Joe Esterhaus? No, no. Uh, Bill Esterhaus. It's his third cousin. It's going to be great. You know, he's writing runs in the family. Who's starring in it? Uh, Gutenberg. He says, Steve Gutenberg? He goes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing Steve Gutenberg does not listen to the podcast. I think you're going to be safe. Well, maybe. I mean, if you are, I apologize. That's just, uh, you know, it could happen to anybody. Well, not Mahoney. Um, <laughs> Who's Mahoney? He's the character he played in Police Academy. Oh, um, there's another joke you put in, um, like if you want to use to, like, uh, knock, knock. Who's there? Steve Gutenberg. Steve Gutenberg who? That show business. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like, you told me once. <laughs> but you can put anybody's name. You told me yeah. once that you get like, to, including they, mine, probably. You told me once that you get together <laughs> with a group of your friends and you guys just uh, tell each other clean jokes, which is fascinating to me because... I always, I always want to clean up my act because the first place my no. mind goes is right to the groin. No, it's Jeff likes all these uh, old punny jokes. Like, Doctor, the, uh, the Invisible Man's here to... The Invisible Man's in the lobby. Tell him I can't see him right now. Yeah, oh, awesome. <laughs> I like, you, you told me one that was... Uh, what's, what's, what's wet and tastes like red paint? Blue paint. Blue paint. <laughs> That's a great joke. It's one of Jeff's jokes. <laughs> knock, knock. Who's there? Murray the Incredibly Rude Interrupting Cow. Murray the Incredibly Rude. Woo! See? See? Come on. It's fun. Always funny. Oh, my gosh. Oh, the phone lines are lighting up. Okay, if you got a question for Drew. Drew, it's Ted Nielsen. <laughs> what the fuck, dude? <laughs> Ted Nielsen just... What's up, bro? I can tell you that. Was it Ted Nielsen? Ah. Fucking drop names. Yeah, drop names. Bob Saget had the best joke about that. He said, uh, don't ever drop names. De Niro told me that. (laughs) (laughs) Bob Saget also has... Bob Saget also has one of the most disgusting, but one of my favorite jokes, where he said... uh, He said something like... um, I think he tried it on stage. I don't remember how it went, but he said, uh, I had a picture of my mom's face tattooed on my ass because it was the only thing that kept my dad from butt-fucking me. That sounds just like a Bob Saget joke. That is a Bob Saget joke. Yeah, the whole time I was watching him on these like, clean family shows, I would just think, like, wow, we... If they just knew his stand-up act was so dirty and dark. And then and people filthy. see it, and they're like, what? well, now he did this. He did a special where he was, yeah. was yeah. filthy on it. But, I mean, I... Um, yeah, but it's off-putting a little bit. But years yeah. ago, you know, I would... I would, <laughs> <laughs> I would go to the Laugh Factory when, with him, and he, would, uh, and he would do his set... And then you just like people's mouths would be agape because <laughs> yeah. they just didn't, you know, they just didn't know like the guy who's talking about like fingering the Olsen twins. And yeah, like, I know. What? I was what? never really sure if he was uh, when after Full House and uh, America's Funniest Home Videos if he was trying to be more filthy to make up for the lack of. No, that's filthy. no. He, he always is. was yeah. that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he just was that. I met guy. a girl I'm nuts over. She's only this, this tall. tall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that joke. I remember that joke. <laughs> I used to love watching his like he was one of the comics that I, I loved watching in the eighties in the eighties too because he just had these super fucking fast He's riffs. Really fast. I've seen him do. I used to see him at the Cleveland Comedy Club and I used to go watch him. This was before I was doing stand up, but I would go every night he was there and see him like three times, four times a week, and uh, just to see him. 
and uh, pay money. And uh, he would do, I've seen him do two hours. Yeah. Like he four said, standing ovations. Like nobody would let him leave. Wow. And he had to keep coming back and doing another 15 minutes, another 10 minutes. He was just a slaughterhouse. And, and the, yeah. and the, you know, Funniest Home Videos and Full House was so the antithesis of his comedy. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that just made him, like, that made him rich, but do you think, like, it, it kind of maybe taken away from some of the success he would have had as a stand-up? I think uh, so, yeah. 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 Just, like, because it kind of took away his personality. Maybe, you know? but, you know, look, I mean, look at it, look at it from his point it of play, view. It played to his face, but not his personality. So, someone, someone's, yeah. o- someone, <laughs> someone's offering you, you know, someone's offering you a show and they're offering you a shit ton of money. And if you're a comic, especially at that time, the yes. idea is you want to be on television. Oh, so no, why totally. would you, you know, why would you yes, say yes, yes, But yes. just, uh, I think in hindsight, though, it just, it, you know, because now it's, a, his stand-up is almost a parody of the fact that, you know, he's not, like, he, he's not the clean guy. It still, still seems right. like he's trying to make up for that. Yeah, stuff. but you know what? It's, it's, uh... Like I think he was satisfied with everything because he is a family man, you know. And he, yeah. like the if you can put out like I like doing Prices Right isn't exactly my. I'm doing a writing. I'm I'm getting back in a stand up now, so I'm doing writing exercises mm-hmm. to write jokes every day. And I going through this old workbook I have, and you're supposed to list, list 25 of your favorite jokes. Do you ever do any joke writing books and go through them? You mean like my old stuff? No, or no, no, like just like. Books that teach you how to write jokes. That's how I learned how to write jokes from these. I, books. When I when I first started, like the very first time I started fucking around with stand up was in college, and I had Judy Carter's book. Uh, yeah, that's okay. But there, I mean, like, it, like people make fun of it, but when you're when you're like you know 18 years old, and it tells you to well list things you hate, list things you love, like it gets you to think. Yeah, yeah, you have to do all that kind of stuff. How to write jokes I, by Sidney Resnick. I bought a, Look how old that is. I bought Richard Belzer's How to Be a Stand-Up Comedian book and then realized it was a book making fun of people who would buy books about <laughs> how to be a stand-up comedian. And I was so ashamed personally that I never bought another one. Yeah, there's another book out there right I now. think anything yeah. that gets you to start writing is good. Yeah, so yeah. I had to write list, list 25 of my favorite jokes. And I looked at them and every single one of them was dirty. <laughs> there wasn't one clean joke except for the moo, the cow joke. Right. That was like the only clean joke on there. Everything else was dirty or had like a sexual thing to it, including so like much. the, like the kid with the welding man. Hey, I'm not really a welder. That one. Uh, oh, what's that? Oh, well, fuck, I fucked it up now. The <laughs> I thought you knew. Um, a kid does walk. He finds a welder's mask and he picks it up. And he's playing with it, and a uh, uh, old guy in a Cadillac pulls up and says, "Hey, kid, you want to ride?" The kid says, "Sure." And he gets in the car. He's playing with the welder's mask, and the guy goes, "Hey, kid, you know what uh, fraudage is?" He goes, no, I never heard of it. He's playing with the Wallace mask. And he goes, you know what, uh, what, uh, uh, um, what's another sexual term? Um, um, uh, a hot Carl? You know what a hot Carl is? Dirty Sanchez? Because, no, I never heard of it. You never hear of a man boy love society? And the kid says, hey, buddy, uh, I'm not really a welder. But <laughs> 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 you have to think of like three like obscure sexual things like fraudage yeah. and, by the way can we all agree that no one has ever done dirty sanchez no one has ever made a groucho mustache or no one has ever made a, a big old mustache out of poop out of poop that's never that's happened the in the dip. history of sex i the, when i've known about when i, I heard about dirty it. sanchez is i just like uh, i always thought it was just a guy putting his own fingers up his butt and then just wiping it across no it's supposed to come prank. from the tip of your dick oh okay when I was doing a US, I was doing a uso tour everybody was given the shocker symbol you know yeah, when they yeah, take yeah. pictures with them like everybody and uh, uh, they were like, yeah, it's the shocker, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's you, your third finger is bending with your thumb. So you right. just have the yeah. pinky and the top two fingers right. are showing. And it's really have to pardon me. The joke is uh, one in the pink and two in the stink. Yes. Or two in the, yeah. two in the pink and one in the stink. Yes. And I was talking when I was doing stand-up. I go, I was like, yeah, the shocker. Like, try doing that when you get home. What's your wife? <laughs> what the fuck are you doing? It's the shocker, honey. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> but I just got back from my ride. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> one, one of my favorite uh, uh, jokes, it's, like, it's not so much gross as it is just creepy. And it's uh, a man and a boy are walking through the forest. And the oh, boy. I got to walk out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was one of my favorite ones. You know that one? Sorry. So, <laughs> I'm enjoying joke time. We're the worst comedy duo. He just says a punch. <laughs> hey, Drew, the two, the are you going to say the one? just get their own jokes, <laughs> yeah. but don't let anyone else know. Oh, yeah, yeah, I know that one. I know that one. <laughs> well, we still got another uh, 45 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to talk about that? No, we don't want to. <laughs> but it's a uh, man and a boy are walking in the forest, and the boy says to the man, uh, wow, this is really scary. And the man goes, you're telling me. i got to walk back by myself. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I have heard that one. Love yeah. that one. It was good. It's a classic. Um, and then that, do you know the one about the 12-year-old boy and the martini? Mm-mm. 
salesman goes to a guy's knocks on a door and the door opens there's a 12 year old boy standing there and he's wearing his women's uh his mom's brawn panties and he's drinking a martini and smoking a cigar and the salesman says excuse me young man are your parents at home and the guy goes the, the, the kid says what the fuck do you think <laughs> uh, <laughs> i want that kid that right, show. six-year-old kid walks, <laughs> six-year-old kid walks in his dad putting on a condom and kid goes what are you doing and the father goes oh um this is to build a mouse trap, son. I'm going to catch a mouse. And the kid says, "What are you going to do when you catch it? Fuck it." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here's a, here's a really bad one that uh, kid catches uh, uh, his dad having sex with his mom. The, the, his parents having sex. And he goes, "What are you doing?" And the kid, the, the parents, "Oh, nothing. Uh, we're doing nothing. Just get out of here." Later on, the dad's walking around and uh, he opens the door and he sees the kid has his grandmother bent over the table, <laughs> his dresser in his bedroom, and he's fucking the shit out of her from behind. Is what are you doing? And the kid says, oh, I get it. It's okay for you to fuck my mother, but if I fuck yours... <laughs> bad guy. <laughs> All right, so... This See, I've heard the joke I know. I've heard the joke I like is dirty. So, because we, we were talking about, like, you're writing jokes. Yes. You have to it's a challenge. Well, and then... And then there's the non sequitur, according to uh, Sidney Resnick's How to Write Jokes. It's so old, it's like from the 40s or 50s. Next, there is the non sequitur. By definition, the punchline of this type of gag bears very little logic to the buildup. Scientist. The secret formula is H2SO4 plus CH307 divided by NG5HS3. Comic. Yes, and in New Jersey, the phone number is Bigelow47500. <laughs> <laughs> what a folly! What a good folly! We've had some good times. Wow. The scientist just murders the comic. That's, yeah, pretty, yeah. that's pretty funny, actually. A good joke. <laughs> we all laughed at it. It is a good yeah, joke. Sure. Yeah, my, I have a friend of mine who uh, owes me money, and he has a lot of old comedy stuff around. So every once in a while, I'll say, hey, I got this book for you. You know, so. so you say, thanks books. for the book. You still owe me money. <laughs> yeah. uh, this was just interest. Yeah. These, these books yeah. are just interest. What, you know, we've, we've talked before a little bit about your writing process, but wow, I, I, what, Hold on. Whoa, whoa. Besides paying well, comedy writing is a great springboard for advancement into show business. Many of our best radio and TV producers used to and still do turn out comedy material. For example, Max Liebman, Park Levy, Frank Galen, Al Lewis, and Hal Finberg, among many, many others. Stop! You had me at Max Levin! (laughs) Boy, I never heard of these guys. From 1954, this book. Uh It's a pamphlet, actually. So go ahead, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, we've talked a little bit about... um, your, pro- your writing process and, you know, your whole thing about, like, writing ten jokes a day and if you wrote a yeah. dirty joke, that didn't count toward your ten didn't jokes. didn't count towards... That's, my, that's what I'm going back to now. Starting today, I'm, I'm, a friend and I are doing it uh, back and forth and via email. Mm-hmm. Join us if you want. Uh, <laughs> but you write ten jokes. Uh, I came up with a ten because only one out of ten was ever any good. Mm-hmm. Like, that's my writing ratio. And even then, it's like pushing it. Um, so you try to get one joke a day, five days a week, uh, that's what I tell every comic. It's really a golden formula. Uh, one joke a day, five days a week. So one out of five, one out of ten, whatever it takes you. But it can't be dirty. It has to be clean enough to do on network television, like a Tonight Show or Letterman or something. And then um, it can't be topical. So it can't be about the, the Olympics or whatever. Mm-hmm. And you can write jokes about what just happened, topical jokes. And you can write dirty jokes, but they just count, count towards the ten. And if you do that every day, five days a week, 50 weeks a year, you'll have about 45 new minutes a year. I timed it out. Wow. Wow. That's a good formula. The delivery, the punchline, and the laugh all take a certain amount of time. You times that. And plus, you figure while you're on stage, you're going to add to it and, you know, add tags and stuff. And, uh, you know, anyways, you know, stuff like that. That'll kill a few seconds. Right. How com- and then it all adds up to about 45 minutes. How complete are your jokes? Uh... Not very. <laughs> <laughs> Done. No, uh, like, do you, do you, how much, how, how much do your jo- jokes grow uh, after you get them on stage? I have a drawer full of shit in my desk. I could show you, like, the most awful <laughs> ideas that aren't even jokes, man. It's just like, you have to write down, I would, this one, I would like 10 things and just like one kind of funny thing and nine thoughts about what could be funny, maybe, mm-hmm. you know. But funny, maybe, do you do those on stage to figure it out further or do you just wait till it's no, finished? No, I have to probably? have a fun, I have to have a, what I think of the joke. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, every, you know, it's like there's so many, and there's no one way, like so many different comics have so, like, 
Someone like Louis C.K. will be like, oh, I get an idea, and then I just go up and work it out on stage. And I'm like, I can't do that. <laughs> I don't because know how to do that, man. I've, try, I've tried that before. Like sometimes, like once a year, I'll get a swagger where I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go up on stage and see what happens. I got a couple ideas. Death, like instant death. <laughs> death. And, like, it has to be a little more planned out yeah. for me. Yeah. As long as you have, I think it's, uh, there can be a little area in the middle, maybe, but as long as you have an out, as long as you have something to punch out with. Like of an idea, you can kind of maybe play with it live. Well, if I have like, I could, I just put it in between two strong bits, and then I know I have something to save it. Mm-hmm. You know, if, yeah. I, if it doesn't work, I just go that and just go on to the next fun thing. Yeah. I remember one time I was working at a club on the road, and uh, I came up with a. Me and this other comic were hiring a kite, and we, uh, I came up with a line while we were high, and we were laughing so hard we were rolling on the floor, and I was like, I gotta get a pen, I gotta get a pen, you know, I gotta write this down. I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget like the gist of it. And I was like, oh, my God, that was funny. We were still, like, honestly, tears coming down our cheeks. We were laughing so hard. Rolling on the ground on the carpet, on this filthy comedy condo. Just, like, you know, breaking the furniture, laughing so hard. And then I got up on stage the next night, and I did it. And you could have heard a pin drop. <laughs> <laughs> now, the trick is the audience needs to I be forget, all high. I forget the joke, yeah. But the audience could have heard a pin drop. And the only laugh I heard was the other comic, like, back by the bar, just pissing <laughs> himself. Cause I, the, you know, uh, the back of the room. <laughs> he remembered that, that I would doing that job remember do you ever see comics that only make the bartenders laugh oh yeah yes. uh yes uh, jonah and i i mean i yes yes <laughs> yes, yes. yes like wow the guys they're the ones funny. that give me the free drinks though so that's all i care about sometimes i mean you know we sort of came up in what's more known as the alternative comedy scene so a lot of those jokes are just for other comics yeah. blender going yeah yeah, 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 yeah. i had to do a bit i had to do a thing in chicago it was called the stay out all night club and that sign outside said stay out and then real small letters that said all night. <laughs> so it was called, everybody called stay out. And uh, there was like a rite of passage back then in Chicago. You had to do the stay out. It paid 50 bucks. And it was like on a Sunday night at 11 o'clock at night or something like that. Some crazy hours. And uh, it was this big, huge like discotheque. And there was only like 14 people there in the whole place. I mean, massive. Remember those like big, huge clubs? Yeah. And uh, like just wide open. And uh, there's only like 14 people there. And they said, oh, folks, welcome to comedy night at the stay out. And it was just me having to do 15 minutes in front of like six couples <laughs> that were seated not next to each other. And <laughs> Always just, the best setup for comedy when I you just, just scatter yeah. people. In this big wide open place. Yeah. With like, and the dance floor had like a brass rail in front of it and all oh, that stuff. Even better. It was like the worst. But all I could do was look, I just looked at the other comics that were there because everybody would show up with their friends to watch them bomb at the stay out. Like, <laughs> like you had to go and see it. Like yeah. you could, you never saw, like you'd see like the funniest guy and then they go to the stay out and just watch them struggle. There's nothing funnier <laughs> than watching a friend of your struggle on stage. Just, what, just like you've tied weights to them and thrown them in the water. Nothing funnier. <laughs> like honestly, like I could, you know, think of guys I know just getting up there and just bombing in trouble and everybody's like, oh my God, I'm so glad I'm here. <laughs> yeah. I remember my, my first time at the Comedy Store was the one of the worst sets I've ever had in my life. And uh, I, after my first joke, it was like always my opener. It always worked. I used it every time. And I was, yeah. this is my first time. Mitzi's here. I'm going to try and do it. I do the first joke and I was so appalled that it got nothing. Wow. That Uh-oh. like I accidentally, I actually just went like, what? Confidence. <laughs> lost. And then I heard a guy in the back. It might have been Ari Shafir or someone just going, oh. oh. <laughs> like, like I got kicked in the balls on stage. Just like a, oh. Can you fucking believe what just happened to that guy? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, we're, we're at the end of the hour. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, darn. It was really fun. This yeah. is super fun. Well, you, maybe, you know. Every week? Huh? Drew? Make a decision now. You know be really fun? If you want to do this sometime, we, we can do it. We're going to schedule it. We can do this, and if, it, if, if we feel like it doesn't work out, we don't have to run it, but... We should come and I'll bring our notebooks. And if you just want to go through like old oh, yeah. jokes uh, and just, just clean out, so just clean out crap. notebook, you know, yeah. and then some of it's not going to be great, but I have some an actual of, drawer full of full have, stuff. That's one of my, I have the next two weeks off and one of my things is to go through that drawer, my old jokes and just like go through everything. And yeah. you know, on the, on the old, on the, possible, right? on the it's original so politically incorrect, yeah. on the original pr- politically incorrect on comedy central, they used to do that like in the last chunk of the show, like Bill Maher would come out and then his writer would come out and they would just clean out their notebooks. And I always love that about that show. We should, like, we'll, we'll come back sometime. The and old then, Politically Incorrect was great, wasn't it? It was yeah, phenomenal. It was awesome. yeah. yeah. Phenomenal. I like the new one, but the old one was great. Well, the old one was Comedy Central, so it was more focused on comedy necessarily than politics. You know, this was in yeah. the late 90s before Comedy Central was like the kind of had that daily show political yeah, voice. Yeah, yeah. So it was really more about comedy than it was about, you know, about social events. And it was a super, super fun show. Yeah, he's way serious now. 
Yeah. I mean, I did I did it when it went to ABC. I did it a bunch of times, and it was always kind of fun. But there was yeah, it would, you would get these heated like, oh, here's the head of the ACLU and you know Rick Santorum, and they're going at each other, and it's just like, well, I don't, I can't say anything. Boobs, you know. And then it's hard to get a word. I get ner- I did that show just lately, the HBO one. And I got so nervous, I couldn't even. Like, I, I didn't know what to say the whole time I was on. Well, first of all, everyone, everyone is loaded with facts in their head. And they got these giant brains. They come out with these yeah, giant yeah. brains. Like, <laughs> really, you're afraid to say They can't anything. hold their heads up. They're tilted to the side a little yeah. bit because they're fucking huge I'm brains. sorry. You're going to have to edit this out because we're over the hour. What is that? No, it's fine. It's fine. It doesn't have to be exactly an hour, but, it, but an hour is, is, a, is, a pretty good, is a pretty good time. Yeah, for podcasts. Pretty good I break. So. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed your coffee while you had your breakfast listening to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> on your trip or during your workout. With, with Drew Carey. I hope the traffic is light on your <laughs> Hope the boss ain't giving you no more work you got to do. Oh, he's a real hothead, ain't he? Boy, he sure is riding my hump. <laughs> uh, that's something that people yeah. say at jobs. Yeah. Apparently. But Drew, thank you so much for letting us come to your house. Oh, I say sure. thank you for being here, but we're actually no in problem. your house, which is awesome. And uh, thank God you have a hump to ride. That's what yeah, we got a hump. We got a hump. My dad hit on a hunchback once. P.S. It's a long, longer story, but my dad hit really? on really, yeah, and it and, and she shot him down. Oh, right. I thought we were still doing old jokes. Wow. No, <laughs> no. What are the hunchback? hunchback. You know, sometimes <laughs> truth is a little stranger than fiction, Matthew. <laughs> wow, way to way to end the show. My dad had a buddy, and his friend was like, "I'm going out with this girl, and she's bringing a friend, her cousin. Will you please?" And my dad's like, "Sure." And they show up, and the first girl's really hot, and the second girl is literally a hunchback. So my dad's like, "I'm dancing with her, and I'm just I just have my hand on the hump. I don't wow. know where to put it." And he was like, and my dad kind of got a little drunk, so he was like, wow. ah, I tried uh, to go for it. So he went to kiss her at the end of the date. And, oh, second of all, she was from Montreal, didn't speak any English. Uh, so a, fr- a French hunchback shot my dad down. A foreign hunchback. Yeah. yeah foreign, the worst kind of hunchback. Yeah. Well, when you're dancing with a hunchback, you have somewhere to put your drink. You know, yeah, exactly. Nice, so. <laughs> well, that's what an American hunchback would have done. <laughs> put his Budweiser right on top. And with that, we take it to the end of the show. The end. She probably thought she was being taken advantage of or something. You think so? <laughs> yeah. Like there's going to be some joke the next day. I don't blame her for not fucking your dad. <laughs> <laughs> I blame her. I blame her for not fucking my dad. Now leaving Nerdist.com. It's all a lighthearted nightmare on our podcast, Morbid. We're your hosts. I'm Alina Urquhart. And I'm Ash Kelly. And our show is part true crime, part spooky, and part comedy. The stories we cover are well-researched. He claimed and confessed to officially killing up to 28 people. With a touch of humor. I'd just like to go ahead and say that if there's no band called Malevolent Deity, that is pretty great. A dash of sarcasm and just garnished a bit with a little bit of cursing. This motherfucker lied like a liar like a liar and if you're a weirdo like us and love to cozy up to a creepy tale of the paranormal or you love to hop in the way back machine and dissect the details of some of history's most notorious crimes you should tune in to our podcast morbid follow morbid on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen to episodes early and ad free by joining wondery plus in the wondery app or on apple podcasts